Ladies and gentlemen, friends and family all around the world, it's Greg. It's Matt. And it's the bottom tier. It's bottom time. Ooh. That's what we say around here. I don't bottom know about time. you, Matt, but I love being a bottom. You know what? <laughs> Me too. Man, we're just opening right up with the uncomfortable <laughs> wow, humor. That was so good. How are we doing today, everybody? You, of course, can't answer me because you're on the other side of the internet, but it's great that you're here, Matt. What's going on, man? How oh, you been? Dude, it's just been chill. You know, it's the holiday season. It's, it's really just kind of quiet down in general for a lot of, uh, well, I mean, the quiet down of the game playing has kind of like happened, <laughs> but the increase of social events and gatherings for different commitments has increased significantly. So yeah, it's been kind of crazy. It's weird yeah. how that happens on the holiday time. Yeah. People want to like get together. I know. See I know. one another. So it's been crazy in a different way, but not in like a similar way from what everyone's probably used to hearing week to week. Right. But I think, you know, yeah. How about you? Oh, not bad, man. I'm, you know, I'm a little tired. New, started a new job a couple of weeks yeah. ago and it's sort of, it's sort of beating me down a little bit. Uh, but you know what? You're that, waking up early is what I hear. Oh my God, too early. Before the sun, I'm at work, clocked in, working before the sun comes up. That's, yeah. that's never happened to me before. That's, that's wild. I'm clocked in during the sun coming up. That's fun. Yeah. yeah. We're early morning buddies. Yeah. Yeah. Heck or, yeah. Or night owl buddies, whatever. Night, you know, yeah. night owl buddies right here on bottom. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know like for me, like, uh, like since now I changed my schedule to like, it's kind of cool. All you listeners get to see both of us go through job shifts, but like uh, doing the night shift from like 10 to 6 a.m., like I have been to the fries at 6 a.m. multiple times now. And I think the lady's starting <laughs> to think I'm a little bit like crazy of the weird guy who's in here every morning. Yeah. Like, Oh, I need looks like he's now. half dead. Yeah. Just buying onions for some reason. I don't get it. Yeah. They're like, why are you up so early? I was like, I've been up forever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't sleep, <laughs> but yeah, it's pretty cool. So, uh, well now, man, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. I'm happy that's working out for you. And I'm happy that you're making friends at grocery stores. Hey, you know, and I'm happy that you got a new career change. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. I'm pretty excited about it. Anyway. Anyways, now, now to the normal segments. Of, hey, this is a flesh and blood podcast. We're the bottom tier. We are, in fact, the bottom tier, and we are, in fact, a flesh and blood podcast. Yeah. Thank you. Last week was our biggest download week, so that's amazing. Uh, 66 is what you said in one day. 66 downloads in one day. It was one it day. was pretty wild when I went to go look at the stats and stuff. It was like, okay, yeah, well, you know, we dropped a new episode. It'll be pretty good. And the little graph thing was like, shoom. Yeah, that's awesome. So thank you for joining us. If you're new, welcome to the bottom tier. Uh, we, we, we're pretty casual when it comes to this game, and we try to... We wanted to make a podcast that was kind of more for those casual players like us, right? Because there's a lot out there. You can go out there to be competitive. And uh, there's always the question of like, how do I get started? How, and that's kind of where we want to uh, like focus on is like getting new in the game, kind of having fun with it and where to start and all that type of stuff. So thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it. We really do. And, uh, you know, since we are coming up on the holiday season, just to, just a tangent off a little bit as we're fond of doing, um, this, this whole thing has been just, just a really phenomenal, uh, journey working with you on this, Matt, you know, getting into the community in general, um, really a, a, a damn fine community we have around here. Could not do this without the support of you guys, both here locally and across the planet. Uh, fun fact, New Zealand is our second highest download location right now. Oh, snap. Well, so hey. thank you, Kiwi listeners. James we, uh, White. No, right? Exactly. <laughs> Exclusively. It's just James White streaming the same episode over and over again just yeah. to hear our dulcet tones. 
Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but, but seriously, thank you guys so much. We really appreciate you being here with us, and uh, we're looking forward to many, many more to come. Uh, but for th- since I'm basically done talking about that now, let's just jump into the meat and the potatoes of the episode. Um, we just had a new set drop pretty recently. Yeah. And, uh, and with that, uh, I thought it would be a good idea to sort of look back a little on, on some of the fundamentals um, and sort of explore how the new set would change that. So, Matt, if you'd like to join me in this. Yeah. Let's, well, let's yeah. talk a little about deck building. Yeah. I mean, deck building, we definitely had a discussion about this when we first started. We did. So many moons deck- ago. Yeah. But with the new set, there has actually been an increase in kind of different... Uh, ways of being able to build your deck. And so if you're really, really new and you're listening to this awesome, uh, I know we have a lot of new players in the community in general. And so kind of uh, just to break it down, the the real start of deck building is, of course, picking a hero. 100%. You cannot build a deck without knowing who you're playing. Yeah. And so you need to find out what hero really speaks to you and so uh, and what kind of play style you like. And so... For me, coming into Flesh and Blood, this was my very first card game of all time. Like I, I have like I've dabbled in Yu-Gi-Oh and I played one round of Magic and you did, and uh, I dabbled in the Pokemon's when I was little, but I never really had and Duel Master. That was a thing for a quick. Oh my minute. god, I missed the <laughs> yeah, Duel Master's yeah. card game. That was a high like it a was little legitimately it was yeah. stupid, but it was so much. It was fun. wild. It was wild. So like I uh, dabbled in all that stuff, but I never really like got into meta or building or things of that nature. Just schoolyard, kitchen table sort of stuff. Yeah. So with that, uh, you have to really speak, uh, find a hero that speaks to you. And so my rule that I like to introduce new players to um, is if you're like me and don't have any experience, it's the rule of cool. The rule of cool holds sway over everything. Yeah. Yeah. And what I mean by that is you go to the good old Fab TCG website, you click on Heroes of Wraith, and you go through and be like, that hero looks cool. I'm going to play them. And then you, you begin to play with them uh, immediately. And so, uh, so pretty much like for me, uh, I went through um, and uh, Bolton seemed really, really cool. Leviah seemed really, really cool. Uh, they were speaking to me. And so my journey started with Bolton because I heard that was a little bit better. And, uh, you know, it was a great first choice. I think Warrior is a great first choice for a deck. Warrior is a good, of, solid entry yeah. option. You can't go wrong with yeah. a Warrior. Because it teaches you a lot about, honestly, defending and also attack reactions. 100%. So, so it teaches a lot of that format. I thought that was really, really good for a new player. But I picked Bolton, uh, looked up deck lists, and just kind of just built what was already out there. Um, and there is... There is a huge cost entry sometimes for the equipment. And so I was able to borrow equipment or when I showed up and said I was brand new, people were like, oh, here, borrow all this equipment. I was like, oh, thank you. Please go ahead. Yes. Go ahead. I will do and so, yeah, that's how I kind of got started. So you got to pick your hero on, on, I would suggest the rule of cool. Now there's another rule as well. If you're experienced, kind of like Greg was. Uh, you you were more in the magic community a little bit. Yeah, I played uh, I played MTG for a long time. I played Yu-Gi-Oh for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I dabbled a little in like Pokemon and the like the Dragon Ball Z card game when that was going on and things like that. So I I had a pretty good breadth of experience sort of in the genre before yeah. I jumped into this. Um, but really honestly, like that it didn't do that much for me. Frankly, um, it, the only thing that it really provided to me was I kind of knew how I liked to play the game. So I kind of had a feel for my play style. Yeah. Um, which is which in Magic the Gathering for all my MTG folks out there, I tended to play black a lot. Um, I tended to play green a lot. So a lot of like D 
debuffs, a lot of uh, inflict something to yourself in order to inflict something onto your opponent. Uh, a lot of like growth strategy to get a lot of resources yeah. out so that you could do really big things really fast. Um, that kind of thing. So coming into this, it uh, it turned into less of a question of like, what's the exact play style I like? And what hero I think is going to get me closest to sort of where my comfort zone is, which mm-hmm. is a little more controlly, a little more overwhelmy. Um, so I ended up, uh, the very first hero that I actually pointed out, and this has nothing to do with anything, but Matt took me through uh, in uh, when we sat down and looked at this. He took me through the fab tcg website and the first hero i picked out was dated all because dated all looked hella cool oh yeah um it was only uh shortly thereafter i learned that dated all actually is a very tricky hero to play um so i ended up not doing much with that um my first hero ended up being chain uh which was yep. a really great call um because chain's play style really uh really worked for sort of what i had already figured out i liked um from there it was you know it was just doors opening you know the this game is much much different than a lot or all of the other tcgs out there um especially since i was pretty heavy into magic for a little while um vastly different game um you have to really like the deck building is different the actual flow of game is different um partially because of you know the the draw steps and everything in magic you just draw one card a turn and you play out of like a seven card hand yep. um this one of course you just get the you know the four cards or three if you're playing data doll um and then you know the, the timings are a little bit different uh the resources aren't broken up here so every card is worth resources and actual play as opposed to like magic the gathering where pretty much your resource cards and your actual in play cards are different so it it for me it was less a matter of like figuring out play styles and stuff and more a matter of working out the mechanics if that makes sense yeah um which brings us to a really interesting point in that there is a lot here in this game to recommend it to people um especially people who have I've had previous experience with TCGs and stuff, um, but you can't get into it expecting it to be the same thing that you're familiar with. Um, it's true. Like uh, now having more experience and this is going to be a lot different from our first episode. That's why we're doing this again or our first deck building episode because mm-hmm. we've gained more knowledge over time too, is that this game like honestly is very hyper intensive on deck building. It really is. Yeah. Like um, it, it changes everything about it. Like the, the deck genuinely, and this is true in most TCGs, but it's hyper true here. Having a deck that is tuned correctly to your play style and what you're going to be playing against mm-hmm. is al- is almost as important as being able to pilot it well. You can be the best player on the planet and have kind of a junky deck and You'll get there, but it's going to be more of a challenge if it's not sort of tailored to how you like to do it. Yeah. Like if, if you like playing a warrior, you could probably pick up a wizard if you really know what you're doing and, you know, do pretty well with it. But if you don't have that sort of connection with it, then you're setting yourself up to be in a bad situation. There's something that's mentioned a lot about like lines and uh, like being able to see the lines and counters and kind of like pathways to victory ahead of time. And what's interesting is like all of our brains are of course different, right? hundred percent. We're now the bottom tier psychology podcast, but uh, <laughs> all of our brains are, are a little bit different. And the way we think about strategy is, is really, really different. And so what's crazy is like, you could go to a deck building website and pick a deck and you won't be like, you'll, like you said, you'll get there, but you're not grasping that overall vision because maybe you don't understand a card in the way that they are on how they're playing and what strategy they have. Right. Exactly. And so that's another core thing you do is you need to find the lines and you need to find, uh, I think that's, that's step two is after you get into the game, we're not talking about like beginner stuff anymore. We're talking about deck building for whatever you need to find out the meta that you're trying to 
pretty much beat, right? Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Um, w- one of the really interesting things, we, we, uh, we have a couple people here in the local community who, uh, who had the chance to participate in the Pro Tour in France this last... Uh, yeah, a whenever. couple of them, yeah. A couple of them. Um, and one of the really interesting things that I recall, God, I think it was Jamie mentioned to me, um, was that when they were over there, um, th- th- there's, a car, there's a card called Oasis Respite. Yeah. Really good card, instant speed. You pay a little bit, it nullifies some damage if you're at lower health than your opponent and gain a little bit of health. Can be really, really useful yeah, in some really it's, clutch it's situations. It's a steeple at this point. Yeah. It, it really is a steeple at this point. Um, apparently, over there, it doesn't get nearly as much play as it does over here. So it's really important that when you're putting these things together and sort of thinking through your strategies and your lines and learning your meta, that you keep in mind that what it looks like at your local game shop is entirely different from what it looks like in Guadalajara or Wellington or wherever you want to throw a dart on a map and pick out a location. It could even be different, you know, one side of town to the other side of town. It really can. Right? Like if... We're in, you know, we're in the Phoenix, Arizona area. So if we went, you know, from one side of Phoenix to the other side of Phoenix, we would it's, encounter just a whole different world. It's vastly different. Yeah. It's, uh, you have to really go out there. You, you get your deck that you made first. You, maybe it's one that you've already like started with. You go out there to your local meta, you play, and that's where you kind of interact with people. And your first few times going, you're going to lose quite a bit. hundred um, percent. And you might squeak out a win too, which is awesome. And if you're really good at TCGs, it's incredible. It took me over a month to be able to get a win, uh, besides a buy, of course. <laughs> uh, but um, buys count, buys are real. Yeah. However, like that is when you start learning the local meta and understanding the gameplay. So after you get a grasp on that, you then your brain will all automatically kind of start thinking about the tools that you have to be able to overcome certain things. So, for example, to kind of get into that, uh, right now we have Dash. Yes, we do. Dash is considered kind of like a meta at the point at this point where it's very aggressive. Uh, really, the winner of Blitz, so if Blitz format is is uh, what you're into, uh, which is the 20 health young heroes format. Uh, that that's the demon you got to beat. You know, is is Dash. Hundred uh, percent. Dash is huge in CC right now as well, and just being very aggressive and doing a lot of damage. And the core mechanic of Dash that that you realize is a lot of I'm going to attack you for like four attack and get go again, four or five attack, get go again. And so I'm attacking you for about three times to do about 15 damage a turn. Plus I can shoot with my weapon. So they might be doing 20 damage a turn, right? It's definitely conceivable that that, that, like every turn, like clockwork, boom, boom, boom. 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 And so the main thing that disrupts dash is being able to somehow prevent that go again and prevent the ability to be able to use that. So a card that you can immediately like sideboard or think of immediately to kind of counteract dash is uh, dash relies on boosting to get the go again and to be able to hit the mechanologist card. And so the easy counter to really think about is a race base. It's, it's simple. It's clean. It's straightforward. Um, just strip that talent ability off of everything and you have hamstrung that deck. They can do basically nothing at that point for a turn. Right. And so then it's just a matter of like, cool, are they going to block a race face? They probably will. Cause they want to at least get a couple shots out there to be able to do go again. And so you have to think how to be able to do that. So let's say you are a Leviah player, right? So let's say that let's, let's go crazy. Let's go with Leviah player, right? Or a brute of some type or even a guardian, anything involving that, that whatever, uh, or something that uses, I guess, any deck that uses cards that cost two, right? You could right. definitely do in a race face with a pummel to be able to ensure you hit that. 
It will also discard a card from their hand, therefore giving them like one card to maybe do something with. If they decided to block, they'll take damage. They end up getting the erase face. They can't really do anything. You pretty much now have a turn. You can just go ham again and be able to, to, to kind of get the upper hand on that so it's not being as aggressive towards you. So knowing that is the counter for that, you now have kind of a core strategy of like, I made this strategy for this. Now I need to build my deck around that because you're kind of doing it that way. And the erase face pummel strategy isn't bad for those brutes and guardians in general because you can pummel a lot of other items there and be able to really hit hard. So you now have a core strategy of what you're going to do. You're going to be a more pummel sided deck. And so you're just going to be figuring out how you could be able to build those resources and go from there. Exactly. The, the, the biggest thing about deck building and the biggest thing that when you talk to like more high level players and stuff or people who have a lot of experience in this sort of thing, um, they'll tell you, you find a core of the deck, you find the general idea that you sort of want to execute with it, then you build your engine around that, the things that are going to enable you to execute that core strategy. And then once you have that, then you fill in for your situational things. So if we go back to like the thump example, thump, to like the pummel Thumps example, I, I'm a guardian player, I'm thinking about guardian stuff, I'm sorry, excuse me. Um, but so if we go back to the pummel example, you, you have the idea for the core of the deck. You want to run pummel, you want to run things that are going to disrupt your opponent. Perfect. That's your core. Now, how are you going to execute on that? Are you going to just stack pummels in your deck and, you know, have a bunch of stuff that you can mill or opt with so that you make sure that you pull it in every time? Are you going to have a sort of a secondary strategy to buy some time for yourself until you get the right hand where you can execute that strategy? Mm -hmm. How exactly are you going to go about this? That's the biggest next step because now you're not just looking at, you know, general, what do I feel like doing? What's the point of this? It's down then to the actual execution of the deck building and making sure that you can draw into the hands you need reliably. Right. So if you're looking for the pummel, don't put in like two pummels and call it good. Stack that deck, make sure you have the pummel every time you need it. And then if you don't need it, it's worth resources. You can pitch it to play something else. You can arsenal it and wait for later. There are options available to you. Correct. But it's super, super important that once you have that core of the deck that you build around it to execute on it, Every time. Right. And the th other thing is you have to realize Pummel only has two defense. And so it could be able to affect you in that way. And also it costs a lot. So you're paying for a card that costs more than two resources. And then you're, or a club or whatever it is, which mm -hmm. usually costs two resources. And then you're paying two resources for Pummel. So how are you going to counter react that, right? You have to figure out how you're going to have that resource management to be able to pull that off in the time that you need it. And so the idea is the the reason this idea stemmed to me on like being able to attempt this meta, especially with Leviathan, is I've been playing a lot with something new from Dynasty, which is why we're doing this. Yeah. We should probably talk about Dynasty. Is there is new things involving uh, royalty and royalty as you look at it from the beginning is like this is trash, right? Like you can probably get that legendary yeah, for like it, 30, it, 30 it, bucks. It's literally like twenty nine ninety six on TCG Player or something right now. Yep. Yep. And so, but what's really interesting about having the Royal Crown, Crown of Dominance, Dominance, Dominion, Dominion something like something that, like that. Uh, it gives you a gold coin in the beginning. And so you could also build a way to be able to have extra resources out in the field to be able to give you that extra edge for pummels. So uh, there's the gold coin and then you have knickknack, bric-a-brac. I love that card. Which is really fun, Just actually. God, it, it's When you set it up, you set it up. That's really good. And, man, everybody remembers when they get smacked in the face with the Nick Nack Brick or Brick. Uh, if you don't know that card, you you pay three resources. You're able to pull an item from your deck, and then you're able to then uh, 
if you dispense any gold or silver or copper, so one gold, two silver or four copper, uh, you're able to pull that many more extra items out. And so if you have knickknack bricker back, you break the gold, you're able to pull out uh, item, two items from your deck. Uh, it could be two energy potions or an energy yeah, potion, like time a time snap, snap or something, anything yeah. involving those lines. And so uh, you pull out the energy time snap and now you're able to have a turn where you're able to hit twice and have that extra like, you can have one card in hand and have those two resources out there to do instant whatever and be able to pummel with it. And so now you already have the things to be able to do that. However, the uh, the poor strategy with that is maybe you're like having a setup turn or you are definitely going to have a setup turn. Absolutely. And so that's going to affect you in some way. So how do you overcome that? Well, if you're picking a brute, you got your scabby skins. And so you can make sure you have extra action points to be able to do more than just knickknack bricker back. You can end your turn with that on the extra whatever after you attack. And so it's, there's a lot of things to be able to think about that. So, and you can get those cards out of there and, and all that type of stuff. So royalty is a definite option to be able to help with the pummel type deck and strategy. Um, it may not be the best one, but it could definitely be something that could, could help with that. Right. And, and that's important to look at is, is not just the stuff that, that, you know, you're going to be using consistently every single time, but the, the super situational sort of stuff that's going to be really useful when it's set up properly, like your crown of dominion. Um, it's also, you know, so, so sort of pivot off of that a little bit. It's also super useful in decks that want to pitch a lot of things yeah. um, to activate that gold. So if we take like Dromai, for example, uh, first turn, you have that gold coin. You can activate the gold in order to pitch your red, in order to, to create your sand, in order to, in Ash? It's ash. It's yeah. not sand. Yeah. Um, in order to create your ash, in order to, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it's important to not just have, you know, the core of it, not just have the base strategy, but also to think, to think through some of those situational things that other people may not necessarily be ready for. Yeah. And that's, that's where the spice comes into it. That's because, you know, everybody builds, you know, sort of similar cores for the most part. Once sort of the meta gets ironed out and yeah. everyone kind of knows what's going to work best. Like a lot of people, like if, if you run your dash, it's all about getting the boost off. So you can have all mechanologist cards so you can guarantee the boost. So you can just keep the big damage output going. If you run a guardian, it's going to be about getting a bunch of blues in your hand so you can do all those big guardian things. Um, if you're running, you know, something like a ninja, it's going to be about maintaining hand size so that you can actually keep that momentum up on your turn. Yep. Um, so ultimately, like, those are sort of going to be the archetypical kind of decks that you see. And when people talk about archetypes, that's what they're talking about, is the core strategy around which the deck is built. So around a single archetype, you can have seven or eight or 50 different iterations of that based upon whether or not, you know, you run... Uh, you run pummel as opposed to razor reflex yeah. or if you run crown of dominion as opposed to crown of providence or something. Yeah. So all these little changes can alter how your deck runs. And it's important to keep that in mind as you build. You do, the last thing you want to do is have a deck like 75% complete and then realize that you really don't have any much to fill in with the rest of it. Like you have some stuff that could sort yeah. of work to pad it out, but doesn't actually synergize with the general concept of it. Correct. Yeah. It, it's it you you have what's really nice about flesh and blood to make the deck building easier is you're going to have cards that are going to just pretty much be in every archetypes deck, right? 100%. So like if you're playing 
if you're playing an illusionist card, like you're probably going to have some auras to be able to do that. Jeremiah is a very interesting illusionist where you already have your core dragons. Like you're like, I'm definitely having dragons in here. <laughs> like, and I'm definitely having like my rake the embers. And so you, no matter what, will have those cards in your deck or you're playing the deck in a t- completely different meaning. Totally way, different way. Right. Uh, you also have uh, like with ninja and stuff like that, you will have those cord cards that go in there uh, for Katsu and stuff like that. But it's kind of changed recently too, because now Katsu has more tools to play with. And so there's two strategies where you'll have some of those original cards, like open the center or anything like, or head your, jab, your, your right? traditional combo type cards, your traditional yeah. head jabs, open the center type stuff. But now you mix it with, uh, you know, tiger, Crouching Tigers. Which is Crouching Tigers. And so you could be yes, Tiger sir. Tiger Katsu, which is from the new Dynasty set too. And so then you start building around, like, if I'm going more Tiger route, I need to make sure I'm able to pull more Tiger cards out there. And so you have your core cards that way, mixed with a few cards that you already know you're going to be doing. So your specialization cards, your stuff like that. So, so there's a lot to really go in there. So it's not hard to be able to fill up those spots. It gets really tricky to fill up those spots when it's, like, a hero that doesn't have a lot of support. So if you try to build a merchant deck out there for that blitz stuff, man, good luck. You're just going to be filling with a lot of generics. It's, it's, it's literally going to be all generic. Like there are some classes that don't have anything specific to their, to their talent or to their class. Yeah. For the most part, merchants have like a piece of equipment. I think mm-hmm. um, there's nothing of course for like shapeshifter or anything like that. Um, so it, so that, you know, you need to keep that in mind too. And then depending on how you want it to run, maybe you go a little heavier with the generic stuff. Maybe you go a little heavier with the class dependent stuff. Like Dash, for example, does not want to run any generic stuff at all. No. If possible. Screws up the ability to consistently absolutely get that boost off. Um, it can stop a turn dead in its tracks. Yeah. There's, Likewise, only, there's only one generic that might be able to help, and that's like Break Alley, whatever, but that was back back when there was only two sets out. Like, right, exactly. You're not going to be using that now. Probably not. A um, little bit of power creep there. Um, but that's kind of an important thing to think about too, um, especially with the new set coming out. Power creep is inherent in any game like this where things are continuing uh, to be released over a long period of time. Mm-hmm. And we're only about three years into this, so it's, it's a relatively short period of time in you know, trading card game land. Yeah. Um, but hopefully presumably this is going to go on for a long time so the stuff from like welcome to wraith or arcane uh, rising or anything like that after a little while you're going to see diminishing results with some of those um lgs is really good uh about sort of keeping that stuff in the meta about not letting the power creep get too crazy right um but it's inevitable it's going to happen so eventually this the older stuff isn't going to be as useful and it's important to keep that in mind if there's a version of the card that came out you know six sets later that does a similar thing but maybe a little bit better or a little bit different that'll work better with your strategy you're better off to find a couple of copies of those and throw them in as opposed to older cards that do a similar thing but not quite as effectively yeah, absolutely. It's it's uh, it's also surprising too because uh, what also happens with these new sets, which has been really cool to be able to watch, is like as a new set comes out, it actually boosts some of the old stuff in Flesh and Blood. So you you're very it's very unique to be able to kind of think about that and and the strategies behind like oh this I want to play this card because it actually like finally does something over here a good well like knickknack is a great example of that like when it came out in everfest and everfest was a pretty mess set overall um but when knickknack came out everybody was like this is this is this is you know the art's nice 
Yeah. But I'm not, I'm not ever going to use this because at that point, the only hero that really had anything to do with, uh, with the currency pieces was Kasai. Mm-hmm. And he didn't really want to run that in Kasai. It didn't really make sense. Um, so there wasn't a whole lot of utility for it. But then Crown of Dominance or Dominion or whatever comes out. And suddenly you have guaranteed access to be able to pop that effect on it to get the two items out. And it just bumps it R- way, way up. Right. And it's still very niche. Like at this. Oh, like super just, niche. If you're listening Don't, to this and like listening to me about like, I'm going to build a knickknack brick brick. Like, please God, do not. If you want to be a meme absolutely like, have fun yeah but if it does work it surprisingly does work. it does and it works a hell of a lot better now with this new support yeah. than it did when it was originally released so right. both both things can be and are true some of the stuff is going to depreciate but some stuff is going to find new life and every time a set comes out some new stuff is going to find new life and some new some stuff is going to also fall off it's an ever-evolving game so it's important to keep in mind ultimately at the base of it Don't ever get complacent with it. Don't ever go, you know, my deck is perfect. It's fine. I'm just going to run it forever because, you know, in six months, something's going to drop. That's going to completely disrupt your entire strategy. It's true. And like this game, you definitely can build the deck like and come bring it to an armory and like it'll be just fine for a while. Right. You can, uh, but you won't grow as a player either i think finding those quick little changes especially with pro quest coming up and everything like that you want to be able to try new things and like just do just do small tweaks and you'll be able to see a huge difference in your deck by removing or adding a card and things of that nature right thinking of different being able to see different things that will that will be able to make sense there like for example uh reinar got a lot of support um in this last set um he finally got these like um Cards that, of course, do six damage, and if they get discarded, they go to the bottom of the deck, so you continue doing that stuff. So you activate the Intimidate. You have the other one where if it gets discarded, it gives you uh, a resource so they can utilize Rock if you wanted to. And so Reinar is able to have a lot more Brute Support that way to be able to to do more actions, and you can build your deck around that or add that to your existing deck to be able to do more things. So, like, there's always stuff that's going to be tweaked. You can add, you need to play with to be able to kind of see how it feels so that you can you can go and, and, and do better. So Exactly. So, like, it, it, it really... A lot of it comes down to personal preference, frankly. Yeah. A lot of it comes down to what feels right, what makes you happy, and what sets you up for your best chance of success. Like, if you love running really fast aggro decks... Don't play a guardian. No, you're not going to have fun with that. You can, you know, you can hack it a little bit. You can try to cram in a bunch of lightweight, you know, fast moving, give this thing go again, sort of cards into a guardian deck, but you're not going to have as much success or really frankly, as much fun with it as if you played a little bit closer to archetype, like experimenting, playing around with it is great. And it's a hundred percent what you should do. Um, deck building is inherently a creative activity, which is the thing that I've said before and will likely say again. Um, so exercise your creativity a little bit, go a little crazy, try a few things out, but understand you're never going to get a guardian to operate like a ninja and vice versa. Um, there, there was a turtle Katsu build that was really popular, uh, closer to the start of the launch of the game um, that has kind of fallen out now because I, you know, the game has moved to the point where that sort of strategy is not that viable anymore. Yeah. But um, ultimately I, I, I bet that 
even when it was popular. And I wasn't involved in the game at that point, so I can't really speak with authority. But I would bet that it was a pretty rare thing to see a turtle katsu, mm-hmm. not because it wasn't good, but because it sort of runs antithetical to the idea of the ninja, which is get in, attack fast, pull back, and then do the same thing next turn. Absolutely. Yeah, it, and it also just kind of... Uh, didn't really play. Uh, it did play a little bit with masculine momentum, but not too much. Like it exactly. wasn't utilizing that as much. So, so you, your synergies get weird. Your deck mm-hmm. building gets a little funky, and like you can make it work, um, but it's tricky, and it requires sort of sort of a higher level view of the game, not just your own decks uh, and who you're playing, but who your opponent is playing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you wouldn't necessarily want to run that into like a guardian or something, because the guardian would 100% just be better at what you were trying to do. Right. Um, a big part of this game is sort of drawing out the inherent power of the hero um, as opposed to just sort of throwing together whatever you feel like and running with it, um, which you can kind of do in other games like Magic or Yu-Gi-Oh! or something. You don't necessarily have to play exactly to archetype. Um, but in Flesh and Blood, even though it is a really creative game, even though there's, there, there's a lot of flexibility in deck building, um, Going too far out sets you up to not have as good a time. And and I'll challenge that a little bit, right? Like we did just have worlds and the deck that won it is a deck that like kind of went against the typical stereotype of wizard, right? It wasn't just a wizard doing spell things. It was a wizard that had a lot of generic actions that could also hit on their turn to be able to do disrupting for defense as well to kind of throw people off and not really be ready for what the situation. So they were prepped to fight a wizard and then all of a sudden they were fighting a battle mage, you know? Yeah, exactly. And so it was a really cool build and really whatever. And so if you're able to kind of see the line too of maybe having, I don't know, like cards that give go again that ha- are like ice cards that give go again. I think there's like icy encounter or something like that. Go again something like something. that. Yeah. Like if you're like, I'm going to run that with like scar for scar, like I'm going to do go again, go again, and then hit with something huge as a guardian and you're going wide as a guardian that could just throw so many people off and be able to get some things because you are being surprising. So, so I wouldn't like be necessarily like stick in the archetype and whatever, because if you see something and you think you can pull it off, like it's, it's really good to experiment with that, right? It really, really is. Right. Um, the, the experimentation opens up a lot of new options. Yeah. Um, kind of kind of to piggyback off of the Guardian example, um, we've recently seen a big change in how Oldham plays for the most part. Yeah. Really, really tanky before, really, you know, eat the damage and swing in big every once in a while, but mostly, you know, let the, let the turn sort of set up and position yourself correctly, right? Yeah. But it's much more a mid-tempo build now. It relies a lot more on things like Pummel. It relies a lot more on swinging into things as opposed to just eating the damage Mm -hmm. so there is definitely room for the heroes for the decks for the meta to evolve and change in not necessarily unexpected ways but in new ways yeah um so never be afraid of trying something that you think is going to work but you're not sure you may discover the new best combination of things in the game yeah but at the same time understand that you know you don't need to run arcane blocking stuff against a guardian or against a ninja right yeah and also like you're gonna notice like a lot of the community plays the game obviously but they find something and people tend to really stick to that and so it's okay to try to diverge a little bit but there's usually a reason why they're sticking to that as well for example i hate to say it but like i love to see something new with combo bolton but i feel like that's the only way people play Bolton is like setting up that big, just getting ready I'm for attacking the Lumina. Lumina ascension. Yep. Like, especially with the new item that came out in dynasty, yep. it's less just like 
yeah, you're just setting up Lumina Ascension to be able to go harder and it has some more tools to be able to do that. But yeah, it's, that's, that's the kind of trade off is figuring that out as well. And, and, uh, if there is a different Bolton build, awesome. I'm excited to be able to see that. But right now it seems very like steep on what it is. And that like that, that, that's a really interesting thing about this set is that for a lot of the heroes, it really provided some new and interesting things. Um, we've talked about, uh, Tiger Ninja a little bit. Um, there were a couple of others that got some really interesting support that sort of fleshed out additional archetypes for them. Yep. Um, and then we had a couple that just kind of got, you know, sort of left well, behind I, a Everything bit. got support. And I think what the main thing about this set was, was to be able to change your way of thinking on that particular hero in class, especially when it comes to your equipment, right? A hundred percent. So the equipment is what changed the most. Uh, of course, like the big things in the set are all for assassin because we now have Arachne. Shout out to Arachne Shout as a new hero. Uh, if next next or just, just a tight sidetrack for a second next month we're playing for adult cold foil arachne in our local uh armories so get ready for Heck that so, yeah. so that's really cool uh that's the first adult hero in a promo version for just armories so that's really that's really cool so anyways uh that's news uh, uh but with that <laughs> there you with go, that in dynasty the equipment uh side of things uh is definitely what changes strategy so uh, you have new shields, like they have the new guardian shield where it's, it de- defends for three, but it starts with two minus counters yeah, on it. Real bad. Yeah. Uh, it, or it could be good. You or never it know. could be good. No yeah. one's figured it out yeah, yet as yeah. far as I'm aware. Yeah. But. So it's setting up for something in the future that could be able to be a strategy for some guardians. You also have rock, which costs three resources. And you're like, man, it's actually pretty hard to pull this off. But when Wait, you do, it's pretty cool. And because and rock's a really interesting example, because not only does it cost three resources in a deck that doesn't run a ton of blues, mm-hmm. um, it also requires that your hand be completely empty. Yep. So you have to do it as the last thing on your turn or as the only thing on your turn. If you end up with just, you know, a blue in your hand after you've been blocking or something but the whole set was full of like interesting weird little things like that um the the rune blade book that you know costs three to draw a card like there's a lot of little things like that that the the new bow for azalea essentially or for ranger in general like all these tools are now out there to be able to make you look at it and go like oh if i do this I might be able to change a strategy this way and it can change the core of what your deck is with some similarities from the other stuff. And so uh, I, it's a really good supplemental set that has like really opened up the meta in a really cool way because I feel like, we will still be discovering things about it in future sets as well. Oh, a hundred percent. Um, that's almost guaranteed because really we're still discovering things about the old sets too. Yeah. Um, there's still new synergies being figured out. There's cards that look like trash that are actually like, Oh, actually this is pretty good in this particular situation stuff like that. Um, so like it's, it's a really exciting time to be here and the deck really is like where this game starts. If you don't have a deck, you obviously can't play. Um, if you have a poorly constructed deck, you're not going to have a good time with it. Um, so it's it's worth putting a little bit of time and a little bit of thought into this sort of thing and not just grabbing the first thing, you know, off of the Internet that you see and sort of assuming that that's it can be a great place to start. Right. If you're but it should if not you be are the brand end new, place. If you're brand new, I highly recommend doing that. 
Totally. You're, uh, you don't know anything, right? FabDB, Fabrary, great resources. Uh, of course, the Flesh and Blood website themselves have deck lists and stuff as well from some of like the, the top places and tournaments yep. and stuff. Phenomenal place to start, sort of get your feet wet with it. Figure out what you like to do and sort of how you like your deck to run. But really, I, I cannot recommend strongly enough that once you have that feel for it, just get a bunch of cards and sit down and play around with some concepts. We, we, there's a lot of great tools out there to be able to help be able to practice. And that's just the key of the game is you're going to practice, 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 be able to see those lines. And after you play a few rounds against different stuff, you're going to kind of notice what needs to be changed. Uh, practice on, um, Talishar, practice on Talishar, um, felt table. If felt you table. don't feel like yep. uh, playing against other people, felt table has a great AI. Um, it's not amazing, but it, it can play the game pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're just going to get those reps in. And once you do, you can be able to find the changes from there. But I, if you're, if you're brand new listening to this, literally rule of cool, uh, or find like kind of figure out what heroes kind of match your play style and then just build a deck that you see. If you already have a deck and you're playing and whatever, it's almost natural to be like, cool, like I got to go from there. And what's really interesting is I don't think I really grew as a player in deck building until I started understanding every hero's ability. And so being able to have the opportunity to go there and just play each hero with Talishar or felt table and kind of understand the mechanics of it are going to help you a long way as well uh, to be able to do that. Or uh, just play some commoner, which is going to help you teach the rudimentary of of those heroes as well. And once you understand that the heroes are pretty easy to be able to pick up from there. And like, so. really like that, that's, that's a big thing. And this is a little bit of a tangent, but not really, but a little bit. Um, that, that's one of the things that, that nobody necessarily talks about a whole lot, but because this is a class based card game, understanding your hero and the heroes that are around you in the game is absolutely vital to be able to build your deck appropriately and then to actually execute upon it. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't play warrior very much. I don't play wizard very much much and coincidentally or perhaps not those are the two classes i struggle against the most um i have a hell of a time playing into wizards and i have a hell of a time playing into warriors um it's just because i don't play them that much yeah but the more experience you have with the hero the more you understand like you were saying how the deck works how it works in conjunction with the hero and with the equipment what you want those hands to look like what you're hoping to get in terms of you know pitch resource or damage output or type or ability or whatever, the better understanding you have of how that all flows together, the better off your experience was, uh, will be. Yep. And after you understand like that, it's going to help your play style as well. Like when you face that warrior, you're going to make sure you, if you have a defense reaction in your card, you don't go like, I'm going straight to reactions. You're going to defend with another card in your hand. And then bait the bait the attack reaction out, and then come then, in with your, your unmovable or your sink below, be fine, or yeah. exactly uh, that will be able to help with that, right? And so there's there's a lot of uh, mind games with warrior, and then if you're playing an illusionist, like if you start playing against a brute um, or guardian, you know you're going to get popped, and so you have to figure out like, okay, I'm going to be playing in a very different way that will make them un like make them force them to change their strategy so that we're able to do well, you know? So there's, there's a lot of different stuff when it comes to that, like understanding your counters, understanding like your weaknesses and how you're going to be able to do that as well that you need to look at. And that's where the sideboard really comes in is you're going to bring in certain cards when you're versing certain classes, because they're the ones that are going to be able to change different things. So you start off building towards the meta and then 
you also have to kind of think of the the anti-meta and the anti-you <laughs> stuff so that it's able to be included in there too. So your sideboard, I would say, is mostly to have for the things that will punish you as a as a player because you have built your deck to punish others. I guess that's a proper way to say it. Yeah, so basically, you're, you're, that, that, that gets the yeah, point across. Yeah, the sideboard is definitely just for your protection of like, cool, I'm now versing the thing that counters me, so now I have to change my strategy and get rid of these cards, be able to put in these cards, and we go from there. It allows some adaptability because like, like you were saying, like each hero plays very differently. Each deck sort of operates very differently, and you've got to be pretty much ready to face anything. Yeah. So with the Illusionist example, for example, if you're playing a Rune Blade, not that big a deal. They're not going to have anything that can really pop Phantasm. Yeah. If you're playing a Brooder or Guardian, it's 100% going to get hit like every single time. So how do you overcome that? How do you address your own weakness inherent within yeah. the hero your, itself and work around that? Your sideboard might have some passing Mirages in it, which uh, removes Phantasm from your first phantasm attack you'll make if you're playing Jermai and you have uh you don't have Muragis in your standard core deck which you probably should anyways uh or mirror guys i don't know what the but you, the dragon the, you dragon, know the one the one that prevents the first dragon attack to be phantasm you're gonna go ahead and throw that in there right uh or with the new ash that came out in dynasty that would be able to be able to be utilized from the sideboard to be able to give those dragons anti-phantasm so that you could be able to attack with them in a, in a bigger manner. So there's a lot of cool stuff that in that particular deck. And so you just have to know what your weaknesses are prep for it. And then protection. Exactly. To add in some adaptability. So you're not caught flat footed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So figure out your core, build your engine around it, add in some good support cards and then have a decent sideboard that you can adapt to whatever situation you find yourself yeah. in. Yeah, it's before that. I think the five steps, right? Like the one before that is uh, find your play style. Find your play style. Slash meta. And then slash hero slash however you yeah, want to phrase yeah, that. Find, yeah, find your play style slash meta. <laughs> and then you you go from the core. The five right. pillars of flesh and blood, everybody. Yep. And so that's that's pretty much it. Like I hope that's able to be helpful. Like I feel like that's, that's kind of an easy breakdown to be able to go in there and – uh, get in the comments, you know, like, let us know if like, uh, if that was helpful, but also like, uh, if you're wanting something more detailed or like, if we want it, you want us to do a live or whatever, like, 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 like actual like analysis of stuff. Dude, and then you, you can know what? See how bad we are. We, we, we should do that. Build a whole deck. Build a whole deck. Just, just live stream it. Live stream whole deck. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. We can totally do we'll that. that for Christmas or something. I'm doing things on Christmas. Well, I mean, not on Christmas. Everyone's doing things on <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we could definitely do something like that. That'd be cool. Like live stream. Keep an eye on that YouTube channel, everybody. Yes, like and subscribe. 2023 is going to be the year of us getting back into the YouTube because holiday season really kicked our butt. And so I think oh, we man. come it's, with a plan. It's, it's been rough this last month or yeah. so. Like there's just been a lot going on. Yeah, you know, we kind of haven't been uh, posting as much on there, but 2023 will be back at it and putting our, our weekly, like more weekly videos out there. So we're going to be doubling down everybody. Speaking of the holidays, uh, uh, anyways, thank you for the core segment. That was awesome. Speaking of holidays, uh, kind of just to kind of let you know the staple or where we're doing at the podcast is times are slow. It's been really slow. Uh, even, even at our local armory the other day, uh, we only had, uh, usually we have about like eight, nine, 10 people show up for a local armory, uh, every Tuesday, well, this last one, we had four, and so we didn't Ooh. fire. And it makes sense because we're getting close to the holidays. 
things are happening. People are getting stuff taken care of before it happens. And so with that, uh, it's kind of led discussions to be a little bit slower, a little bit different. Everyone you can definitely tell is taking a little bit of a break for themselves because even flesh and blood, uh, uh, legendary studios was like, there's no prizing to, for the winner. It's just shitty Xmas gifts, promo cards. Everybody people. gets one. And so with that, uh, with the podcast, we are going to be doing one more episode for the year. It's going to be next week. It is might going be to be little, next week. Might be a little different, uh, which is exciting. And then, uh, after that, we're going to be taking a two week break. And so, uh, the week after Christmas, we won't be recording a podcast. And then the first one in January, we won't be recording a podcast mainly because a it's the holidays and kind of my family is going to be doing Christmas me stuff the whole week. And it's just like, not, not because we're Christmas enthusiasts. It's just, that's, that's just kind of how it that's falls. That's how sometimes. adult like, life, how it happens. It, you know? it, amen to that. Brother. Yeah. <laughs> and so we're going to be doing stuff throughout the week, just to kind of increasing that schedule even more. And then the new year, you know, Greg and I are going to be hungover, so no, I'm just kidding. It's just going to be a great celebration. Oh, I'm so. I'm definitely going to be hungover. I'm not <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Uh, New Year's Eve is one of the time few times during the year that I actually allow myself to indulge, uh, and I plan to. <laughs> I plan to, friends. So please please enjoy this our last serious episode uh, of the year. Um, <laughs> yeah, I like that the last serious episode. Right next week we have something uh, fun planned. We'll see how well we execute it. So probably not that well, but we're going to give it our best shot. We're going to stay on the bottom. I'm just kidding. <laughs> right down there. Touching yes. pavement. Absolutely. So yeah, so that's kind of the plan. So we're going to have a two week hiatus. Uh, uh, again, right after next week will be our last episode of the year and then two weeks. And so, yeah. And if you find that you miss us during those couple of weeks, it's okay. First of all, we're there with you in spirit. As long as you think of us, we will be there in your hearts. Secondly, you can drop us a line on Twitter. You can check out the back catalog of the podcast and our YouTube videos on our YouTube channel and your preferred podcast source. Yeah. Um, you can, you know, you can do fan art or stuff. Yeah, we'll know. put it on our Instagram or we'll, of course, have stuff on our Instagram as well, which is really good. So we have like six things on our Instagram. Yeah, right we'll now. do it's... more during the time of high. I don't know. If yeah, because we're not like we're going to have anything else to do the last couple <laughs> of weeks. Uh, but so, Matt, I think that that brings us to our recurring segment. Friends, it's lessons learned. Yeah. All right, that was way less enthusiastic than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> yeah, uh, lessons learned. That's more like yeah, it, Matthew. Yeah, yeah. Thank lessons you very learned. much. Our recurring segment where we talk about what we learned in Flesh and Blood this past week. Because, my God, there's a lot to learn about this there's stupid game. There's a lot game. to learn. Matt, what did you come up with this week? Well, to be honest, didn't play Flesh and Blood at all last week. <gasps> this whole week, I didn't play Flesh and Blood. Uh, you monster. I know. So I have no lesson to learn uh, towards you. Uh because I didn't get the chance to play because our armory kind of whatever. But what yeah. I will say is I did get to dabble in another card game. Ooh, which one? Yeah. A new one came out uh, called Soul Forged. Okay. I've been looking at Soul Forged. How is it? It's really good. It's really good, actually. I started a podcast. I'm just kidding. Bottom tier of Flesh and Blood and Soul Forged podcast. <laughs> no, no. Soul Forged is a lot of fun. Um, I really, really, really like it um, a lot. Um, so I guess the lesson learned is... Uh, you know, when there's things are slow, like, you know, spending quality time with people is the core of flesh and blood. And so being able to play that game and be able to sit across and just have fun is just a, a core of it. And so when our army didn't fire and there was only four people, two of them were playing soul forged. And I was like, I want to learn how to play. And so I sat there, learned how to play soul forged. And 
it was really cool. It was a lot of fun. It was a different game and it just was being able to still have that interaction and, and kind of have a different, like, like, uh, different experience. It's, it's that if we're talking about deck building, that game is just like, you don't really deck build. It just put you together and you <laughs> just go to him and that's an easy game and just super casual. And it, I could just see like just more casual people being able to play it, which is really cool. So it was, it was fun. So just have fun and make like the experience of flesh and blood and playing, uh, board games, video games, any of it with another person is like, is really like remind, reminding yourself you're playing a game is the huge lesson. Like, here, and don't be afraid to just play games like yep. you don't have to get married to flesh and blood flesh and blood is fine if you see other people on the side it's totally okay yep. flesh and blood is very understanding very progressive very new age yep <laughs> very yep exactly so get out there explore a little bit yeah. you know it, it human beings love games we all do whether we admit it to ourselves or not we invent little ones for ourselves all day every day or at least i do um, we turn boring stuff into little repetition games. We turn big, exciting stuff into games of, you know, adventure and cataclysm. Like, it, it we we are a people who love to play games. Yeah. So don't be afraid to play a game. Like, get out there, explore a little bit, see what lights you fire. There you go. That's a good way to put it. How about you? What was your lesson learned this week? Oh, man. So I actually did play some Flesh and Blood this week. Uh, you know, like I was supposed to. Hey. Uh, <laughs> I'm on a podcast about it, so I'm Hey, I fair enough. That 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 <laughs> buys you a pass. Um so my my biggest lesson this week um is is a pretty simple one. Um and it's quite simply don't listen to people's salt. Don't pay attention to it. Don't listen to people's salt. Don't listen to it. Who was being um, salt? No. Who tell me tell me the details. All right, well here's their name and social security number. And all their information. Let's all go, right, people let's get go. in the comments. Go beat them up. <laughs> we're doxing today. No, we're not. I swear to God. Um, so I, I I played a little flesh and blood this last week, like a man does. And uh, <laughs> a, a, a couple of the guys that I got just off the bat were just were just really like I was playing on Talishar. We're just really like not cool. So a little bit of backstory. Since uh, I, I started playing this game with Chain, as I mentioned today and yep. a bunch of other times and Matt just did a little like slow sigh on the inside <laughs> about talking about chain again um <laughs> i saw you roll your eyes don't lie to me um but so i started playing with chain chain got ll'd out of cc uh so i did this whole thing uh from trying to find a new hero and everything uh, it's called speed dating fab heroes it's one of the earlier episodes you can go check it out shameless plug um but i ended up you know going with oldham so i so i play oldham i'm a guardian player now so I get, on ta- I get on Talishar, and, you know, most of the time when people say, see that they're playing a guy who's playing Oldham, the reactions range anywhere from, ugh, God, to go die, right? Like, for- <laughs> that's that's the two reactions? That, that, that's that's the, rough. That, that's the range. I don't like, feel, okay. Like, yeah, anywhere yeah. in there, people usually land, but <laughs> very rarely do I see a person go, oh, cool, Oldham, this is going to be great. <laughs> I'm getting salty about those people. I am a little bit too, and yeah. that's what brings us to tonight. Um, so I was just playing this guy, and like every other turn, he's like, Oldham is for noobs. Like you clearly don't know how to play the game because you're playing Oldham. He's just taking every chance to rag on my choice of hero and my choice of deck. Um, just because he was losing, I ended up winning that game because, you know, I'm really good at this game, of course. But... Uh, <laughs> Uh, that's a laugh of that's that's that's, that's, that's that a laugh funny. of Greg just lied. No, um, no, no, you're, no, you are. You're very good at the game. That's Damn. that's a lie. We're, we're the liar tier, everybody. <laughs> um, but so I, I ended up winning the game and he just he just, you know, 
he ran away because all the salty people do. But um, during the game itself, just like every time I would do something, it was always just some comment about how I didn't know what I was doing or I picked the worst hero and, you know, he only wins because of whatever sort of talk, right? Um, and, you know, during the game, it's very easy to kind of get into your own head and start to kind of doubt yourself based off of that. Like, am I playing something that just isn't fun? Am I actually like contributing to kind of the opposite of what I want people to get out of this game when they're playing against me? Like, do I actually like have any ability to do this or is this just, you know, what everybody can kind of phone in, like all that sort of thing. So it's really, really important, like when you're in the game and even after the game, not to pay attention to it, not to let yourself dwell on it and just kind of push past it. Because ultimately, like if you're here and having fun and you're genuinely engaging with the person across the table from you, you're both going to have a good time. And that's ultimately the point right, is to have fun with it. If you're not having fun, as we say all the time, you're doing it wrong. So don't be afraid to, I guess, you know, do what feels right to you, even if other people are going to have a problem with that, because the people who are going to have a problem with that really aren't the people you want to be playing against it, anyway. It, it's interesting, like, uh, just to have a disclaimer out for other people, too, is it's like, Talishar, like, you're arversing people who are just being anonymous at this point, right? Oh, 100%. With anonymity, with, with any game online or chat room or anything like that, people tend to just, or social media, people tend to make sure they're just digging at you at a, at a wrong way. So just they, as they can, if, if exactly. you're, if you're someone listening onto the bottom tier and you are that person that was whatever with, with Greg and being like that, dude, like don't do that. What's like up? you're, you're not a good like, what's person going for the community, but who hurt you? Yeah. Like that's weird. But also like uh, just try to be out, be out there and be nice and, and do all that type of stuff that that is don't listen to people's salt like you're playing a hero that you have fun with. And that's that's the important part. And um, old Tim does have a reputation, but every match I've played against Oldham, super fun. Like it's it is good, right? It's, it's close and it feels like a whole new game. I, that's what I love about this game is every match feels like a whole new game. Exactly. Because with Oldham especially the old old him because your old him is a little bit more modern with like attacking more. Yeah. I've, I've, I've updated, but originally the, my old him was extremely tanky. Yeah. So with tank old him or like one that has a lot of defense reactions, like it felt like a game of like, can I get over the wall? Exactly. Like, can I go over the wall and what can I do to do that? Exactly. That felt accomplishing. And the old him player also would just be like, good job. You know, like oh, quite nice. You're like very good. That does a great high jump or whatever. Like you know, like whatever the thing is of pull. Like you're just they. They were like okay, because that was the whole goal. Was like I'm gonna do this and fatigue and do all that, and it was like a fun game to me to like overcome that. And so like I get why people can be salty, but just don't like. It's fun. It's fun in a different way. It's it's going to be challenging for you, and that's the fun part to be able to go go do that. So. Exactly. And, like, really, like, there's no hero in this game that can't be worked around with the possibility of Starvo, but Starvo is not allowed anymore. Yeah. <laughs> for very I, good reason. I, I forg- I'm so glad we... I honestly am glad we joined when we did. Oh, my God, me too. We pretty can much, you imagine jumping into the middle of the Starvo meta? Well, we jumped in during the Starvo meta. We were just very lucky that no one in our med- local meta was playing Starvo. Thank God. Because if it sounds awful. It really does. Yeah. Like I, I genuinely am sorry for everybody who had to endure that for the three months or whatever. He was legal. But, uh, you know, it's a better place now. Yeah, it's a very better place. <laughs> but, yeah, that's a, 
I am glad that's a lesson you learned. Don't listen to the salt. Don't listen, Don't listen to, to the, the salt. Yeah. Not that, you know, I'm going to retain that lesson for any appreciable amount of time. Uh, 100%, I'm going to be dwelling on some stuff. It's hard that, not to, especially online and stuff like that, to not... For some reason, it. it's difficult to sort of disconnect from it, right? But yeah. anyway, that's a topic for another time. Yeah, yeah. If you leave a comment on the YouTube channel or anything and it's rude, we're going to read it and be sad. So don't do that. Why are you out here making people sad? Yeah. Don't be salty. Constructive criticism only, please. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, uh, I feel like that's it for the show. Uh, yeah, we, we've been talking for a bit. That that was a good discussion. I loved yeah. it. It was a good one. It was, was, good. It was a lot different from last week. So we hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> we really hope you enjoyed it. Please come back. Yeah. Guys, uh, again, uh, thanks for listening to the Bottom Tier Podcast. Uh, we love doing this show, and I uh, can't wait to, to see you guys next week. We have something fun for you guys. Uh, but with that, um, I'm Matt. And I'm Greg. And friends, that's been the Bottom Tier. We love you all. Have a wonderful night and a great rest of your week. Toodles. Toodles.